percent. Okay, let's turn to our guests now and say good morning and welcome to Enzio von File, a capital preservation specialist at Financial Shield. Good morning, Enzio. Good morning to you, Ross. Uh, thanks very much for joining us as ever. And also, let's say good morning to uh, Winnie Wu, uh, China Equity Strategist at Bank of America Securities. Good morning, Winnie. Morning. Uh, th- thanks to you as well for coming on to Money Talk uh, this morning. OK, well, the, uh, the Fed has put uh, the interest rates up again. Winnie, what do you think? I mean, everybody was expecting it, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's largely in line with expectations. I guess, you know, for the Hong Kong China market, uh, where economies are not so strong post recovering and inflation is actually not a key problem. I think the, you know, tightening of Fed and stronger US dollar is actually not so favorable for Chinese currency and adding pressure to the exchange rate to the foreign reserves. Enzio, your your thoughts on on the Fed announcement and you know the effect on this part of the world? Well, it's I hate to say, it, but this is one of the few times I've been right. I, I said already back in March of twenty two they would be inching up more to six percent. So I think even in September we can see something around the region of five point five by December of this year on the Fed funds rate up from its current five point two five because the core personal consumption price index is actually still running at about 2.3 times what the Fed wants. It's running at 4.6-ish percent per annum versus the actual um, Fed target of 2% per annum. So there's still more on the way up. I don't think a whole lot, but I still think there's a little bit to go. So you think the Fed is is looking more at that uh, indicator rather than, you know, the the 3% uh, inflation that we've been hearing about in recent weeks? Totally. The, the, the Fed doesn't really look at the overall inflation index because that also includes food and energy. And if you want, we can discuss the weather and the Fed influence later on. But I think that's that's a very key point. It does not, and that's important for listeners, it does not look at the, the headline inflation rate. Do you think Jerome's, uh, Jerome Powell's uh, language indicated anything to us uh, going forward? He did seem to uh, use slightly different wording, which uh, everybody seems to read many things into, don't they, Enzio? Well, I'm, I'm not sort of a two-handed economist. I think he was saying that there's a very good likelihood this September of another rate hike as a preemptive hike to, to, to kill the demand side of inflation, not the supply side of inflation. And I think that he was quite unequivocal about that. So I think that we, we can look for one more hike September or perhaps December. It doesn't really matter. But I, I still think he needs to try and squash inflation a little bit more because the U.S. economy is robust enough maybe even just to take these punches. Anything else he can do apart from put it up or or, or not put it up uh, next time round? Ask you, he can tighten. What I mean by that is that yes, he is raising interest rates, he's raising the price of money, but he's not really been reducing the the quantity of money that much. His balance sheet reduction program has not been that great. It's only been a, a few months since he's been doing that. So until we see some of this in my economic clock some reduction, the excess supply of money that is still switching about the system, until we see that reduction, markets will continue doing quite robustly. Thank you very much. 
Uh, by the way, just to say that uh, the HKMA has followed the Fed in indeed uh, raising the interest rates here in, in Hong Kong. Uh, Winnie, uh, you know, obviously the Fed's uh, interest rate rise in the US has that immediate impact uh, here in Hong Kong. But what on the rest of the region? You know, you mentioned China just now, but we, we do have uh, generally around the region different uh, policies on interest rates in Asia, don't we? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, clearly for this region, the biggest impactors are the U.S. and China. And now we actually have a diverging trend. So, you know, for generally speaking, strong U.S. dollar is not so favorable for the EM currencies and for the EM equity market. But, you know, this year we got quite a different performance, diverse performance across the region. Clearly, you know, Japan's been doing very well. Indians doing well. And uh, other regions driven by, you know, the tech cycles or different economic cycles have seen quite mixed bag of performance. Sorry, I'm not sure what we're hearing there. Um, uh, hearing something coming, coming through from somewhere. Apologies. Um, my fault. Uh, Enzio, you know, you, you've been following Japan uh, very closely and uh, Winnie had mentioned there that, um, you know, other other policies are in force across Asia. How do you see uh, Japan reacting here? I think it's a very interesting story. I think that they are going to have to start tightening at some point of, in the next six months because Japan's inflation, remarkably, at 3.3% overall, is higher than America's 3.0%. So, and I think the Japanese being using, having covered Japan years and years ago it is quite a conservative country, so it's going to take a great deal of time for them to start removing money from the system. We may curiously see more tightening in Japan, more removal of money in Japan than we're seeing in the U.S., and that would be not so good for the market, which the president has been doing pretty well in Japan. We've got a change in economic time there from an excess demand for money to a very strong excess supply of money, but importantly, also from an excess supply of goods to a looming excess demand for goods. In other words, wages are picking up, so demand and consumption are picking up. It's a good story. What are we expecting out of the BOJ's uh, current meeting? The usual Japanese prevarication. It's always been an ITT play, not the International Telephone and Telegraph, but it takes time. I was already used to this back in the 86s and 80s, and so... I think that you will find very, very slow inching towards a tightening and a lot of, and very, very slow preparation, preparing the market for some reduction in the balance sheet size of the Japan. But it's going to be all pretty unclear what they say in typically Japanese fashion. Uh, let's turn uh, to China now um, in a bit more depth. Um, Winnie, you know, we've seen quite a lot of uh, wranglings on the political side in the last few days, a lot of changes at uh, the foreign minister. Uh, we've also seen a change at the PBOC. Uh, what do you make of that? Is that something that uh, you were expecting? What impact do you think that will have on economic growth uh, on the mainland? 
<laughs> I'm not going to talk about the expectation of personal changes because we don't forecast that. But in terms of the policy imp uh, implication on the PBOC side, you know, the new governor, Dr. Pan, has been a hardcore financials person. He has over 20 years of experience working in ICBC, ABC, the big SOE banks, right? Nearly 10 years in the, in the central banks, uh, mainly in charge on the foreign currencies. So I think his appointment probably in indicate largely a continuity of the general, you know, uh, monetary policy principles, you know, the broad uh, macro prudential disciplines, the commitment to currency stability. So, you know, on the, the monetary policy side, I expect to see more continuity. Um, yeah, and, and on the foreign minister side, you know, actually Mr. Wang has been uh, in that, had been in that role. So again, you know, it shouldn't signal any major change in direction. So stability there. Uh, but your outlook at the moment for mainland growth, uh, to, you know, to the end of the year, how, how are you seeing things? Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, first quarter we had uh, quite strong recovery driven by the pent up demand post reopening, but a lot of the momentum has been fading away. In second quarter, we see sequential weaknesses in many numbers, including like the PMI, the export growth, the FAI, the inflation numbers. So it's quite, and the property market clearly as well. So at this point, I think it's quite important for policymakers to intervene, right? To rebuild the confidence to, you know, um, support the key sectors, whether it's property or private sectors or consumption, so that we need to stop this uh, uh, sequential weakness and stabilize the economy. Uh, clearly, the Politburo meetings are sending out some positive signals, but it's more important to see if we see more concrete policy actions coming out following that. Of those different sectors, are you seeing any bright spots amongst them? Are some likely to do better than others? You know, it seems like mostly across the board, things aren't going so well at the moment, but some of them perhaps? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, in fact, if you look at the internet sector, uh, uh, the, the first quarter earnings are actually generally beating expectations. But however, you know, the big sector like that, it does not necessarily trade on earning itself, right? It trade on broader expectations. It trade on fund flows, positioning liquidity, and also, you know, the confidence on private sector recovery, on, you know, the sort of animal spirit, the sustainability of the consumption e-commerce growth. So, you know, currently we are at a situation where even some sectors are showing good bottom up earnings. They are not necessarily being appreciated by investors because of some of these uh, top down broader con concerns. Enzio, how are you seeing uh, uh, the announcement this week and, uh, you know, the outlook for growth in China? OK, the economic time in China is characterized by an excess demand for money and an excess supply of goods. In other words, it's quite weak. It's quite weak, I believe, because the government must really help the private sector more. In other words, it's pointless to talk about stimuli and all this kind of stuff. And Winnie was alluding to this by building of confidence, which I totally agree with, that it's the private sector that accounts for 90% of employment creation, 80% of investments kind of thing. And it, until they really go full hard and say, private sector, we want you to resume your role of creating jobs and thus investment, I think it's going to be a long, hard slog. Now, on the, um, the, the private sector really needs the help and the economic time is, is one that's a little bit sickly. 
So I think it's very much this private sector that needs the help. And the final thing is, it's the implementation at the local level of the government's policies. Again, especially regarding the private sector, that is crucial because if the private sector isn't pushed at the local level and isn't not pushed around but pushed upwards, allowed to flourish, then you're not you're going to find this this China economy having tinges of Japanization about it. What we went through for 30 some years, we don't want that. Obviously, nobody does. But I think they are on the gradually moving but like QE2 though very slowly to the right track of, of, of helping the private sector flourish more. Enzio von Feil is Capital Preservation Specialist uh, for Individuals at Financial Shields. And thank you to Enzio and thank you to Winnie Wu, uh, China Equity Strategist at Bank of America Security.